Hello, my name's Kia, and for those of you just joining us in this episode, a quick introduction to myself. I'm an F1 doctor, I'm a UCL grad, and today I'm going to be speaking to my esteemed colleague, uh, Iran, who's going to tell us a bit about her experience as an F1, uh, talk about the things she's learned along the way, and give you all some useful tips that will help you out when you all start on the walls. Hi, Aron. Hiya. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> on to my popular show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How was your day? You've been at work today. Yeah, so um, I've just moved on to OBS and Gynae in these times. Um, so I had a normal working day just covering the Gynae wards. So I had the usual Lucky you, so you're, you're, you're protected from the pandemic stuff. Yeah, currently quite well protected. Obviously, there's no doubt we'll start getting pregnant women with COVID, but mm. currently the numbers are quite low. Good to hear. Right, let's jump straight into it. Um, so if I could ask you to cast your mind back to that first week when we started, let us know what rotation it was that you started on and just describe that first week. What were your day-to-day jobs? How were you feeling and how you got on, really? So I started on respiratory, which at my hospital was quite known to be tough. Um, However, when I started, we had a shadowing day before so-called Black Wednesday, where I got to meet the team and just kind of settle in. I was lucky that I'd already been at this hospital before as well. So I sort of knew the system as well. So the first day, it was basically a normal ward round. And that was the case for most of the days on. Um, I was quite well protected with a lot of supervision and a lot of staffing. Mm -hmm. So um, they didn't make me see patients by myself. I mostly documented and prep notes. They would teach me as we went along. And I also got a lot of help with sign-offs very early on. They supervised me when doing core procedures. They taught me how to request investigations and how to do all the discharge paperwork. And um, I primarily observed them seeing patients rather than seeing them myself. Mm. And what do you think was the thing you feared the most in that first week? Because obviously it's quite a, an uncertain time for us all. We're all going to different specialities and we're, we're both fortunate enough that we had that shadowing day. Mm. But we all had thoughts in the back of our minds of things that we hadn't done as a med student. So was there anything in particular that you were worried about? Um, I think broadly speaking, I was just scared about something doing something unsafe so Mm, rather than getting the wrong answer to something it was more prescribing the wrong thing discharging a patient when they couldn't be discharged but the biggest thing I learned was that there's always somebody else like who has your back the pharmacists will have your back in terms of checking prescriptions yeah and especially on discharge as an f1 you never personally discharge a patient it'd always be a registrar or a consultant so yeah, with hindsight, I wouldn't have been scared of, of all those things. Great, yeah, that's that's exactly what I felt as well. Um, when I started, I was I was worried about I would do something that would affect the patient's outcome. But you soon come to realise that there are so many people on the team that even if you were to slip up, someone would hopefully catch the fall. Um, yeah, but yeah, you're not alone. So, and the other question I had about your first week was what you found was the hardest part. So that could be IT or prescribing for the first time formally and you know bleeps whatever so the first week I think 
what I found hardest or the scariest was um, when nurses would come asking you to assess patients. Mm. So even if at least on the wards, there were quite a lot of us during the day, uh, the, during the weekdays. Um, so things like when they call you about, oh, this patient's blood pressure is 90 over 60. Can you come assess them? Mm. I found that initially just a bit intimidating. Um, equally, I think family updates. Um, I always sort of ran away from until I absolutely had to just because yeah. I wasn't. I hadn't seen enough of those communications yeah. to know with regards to confidentiality, with regards to practicing how to not speaking jargon and just, you know, taking the time also because it was very busy at the beginning and I was naturally quite slow. So trying to manage the time of balancing, looking after patients, doing my jobs, but also updating family who obviously need to be in the know. Definitely. I think family is one of the ones that I was also scared of just because you almost feel like you need to know everything about that patient and you don't want to pretend you don't. But that's one of the things that comes with experiencing, uh, with experience in medicine. You just, you learn to, I guess it's bad to say it, but you, you learn to bluff your way through confidently speaking with family. And, yeah. and it's just, it comes with the job. It's the same with speaking to anyone on like microbiology and <laughs> whenever you have to bleed the med reds, you just get a bit more brazen. And uh, it's all about the confidence because you're never going to know the answers that the family all want. There's inevitably questions that you have no idea about. Um, and you've, yeah. just, you've just got to be honest with those ones. But um, it's definitely something I was scared of when I started. And whenever I did that, I always remembered there was a quote from Michael Scott in the office, which was like, sometimes I'll start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope <laughs> I find it along the way. Yeah. That was, that's often still me when I'm having to bag my way through a request yeah. that I'm not entirely sure why we're requesting it or when family asks me something a bit complex or I'm not entirely sure yeah. but sometimes you just find yourself along the way because you do have the six years of training yeah um and you've seen enough by now to know what you know what's necessary yeah and you develop these like generic reassuring statements that you can adapt to most family questions about patients So I'm going to ask if you could take us through a case or a particular shift that you found difficult as a new F1 and what you learned from it, as well as any tips you might have for the incoming F1s. Sure. So first of all, I would, I'd like to give a disclaimer that not all my weekend shifts were like this. And actually I had some which were very chilled out, even on respiratory. But I'd say my first weekend shift on respiratory which was my second week of working in general was probably one of the toughest shifts I've ever had um so what normally happens on a weekend so on a normal weekday you have a full ward of nurses consultants registrars and juniors what suddenly at least happened at my hospital on the weekend you then had just one junior and a consultant for a ward round and all the nurses um still present on a weekend so mm. The consultant I had that day basically did ward round until about 3.30 and I was set to finish at five. But within those, until three, so within the six and a half hours of ward round, we were obviously creating a list of jobs for about 25 patients on our wards. Mm. Uh, so already what I was finding challenging was how to manage all the jobs for those patients within that amount of time and recognizing which patients were unwell. Um, I hadn't ever done jobs list before or needed known how to prioritize jobs. So it was coming a bit slowly to me and what was more important, prescribing medication, requesting examination, like investigations, 
reviewing patients who the nurses are worried about. So I was meant to be working eight till five on my normal ward and covering the bleep for the whole of medicine from five till 10. Mm. I was lucky in that someone else who I knew Mm. was covering that bleep as well. So they helped me out. But I basically didn't finish my ward jobs until about 8.30. And I also got a very unwell patient right at the end of my shift when I was just about to do their jobs for the day. Um, So basically what happened is about 8.30, whilst I was still doing all my jobs from the day, I got bleeped about a patient who had come in in the morning as a new patient, a bit unwell but stable. Um, And they bleeped me and she was using about a nine. So every single observation was completely off and she was effectively septic. It was scary news, but equally, the one thing they would always tell us is when prioritizing jobs, you always prioritize an acutely unwell patient. That's your number one priority. So I knew to go straight to assessing her and managing her. Um, So I tried to calm, keep myself calm um, and Obviously, I knew she was deteriorating, but I tried to get some background information on her, you know, get some trends about her bloods and any recent other observations. And then I went to go see her and I managed her purely in Dr. ABCDE. And time and time again, it's what I fall back on. And it almost works every single time in at least making sure you're safe and you've got at least the baseline for when you need to escalate. And I knew I needed to escalate in this scenario. Hmm. So sorry to interrupt. Just to go back on something you said that was really important and something that I think I learned uh, as progressing through F1 is you said you looked up her bloods and and tried to do what you could before seeing the patient, right? Or was that over the phone? No, that was because it was on my ward. Yeah, um, I did it. I often I'll try to get as much information from the nurse as yeah, possible. Yeah, exactly. There's a massive changeover between nurses and some nurses. I'll be honest, are better at doing it as far than others. So when you're not getting much of a handover, you just take the hospital number and you just try to get a history yourself. Luckily, yeah. she was a new patient, so I knew enough about her from the morning to kind of have a background. Yeah. So it's definitely something I learned is to make make an opportunity of that, either the phone call or the communication the nurse is giving you and use that opportunity to ask them questions. You know, ask them, mm. has this patient spiked in the news before? Have they had feet previous throughout the day? Uh, do you have any history, any background? Because you're on a weekend shift and you have no idea who this is a lot of the time. So mm. use that opportunity to ask the nurse um, to shed knowledge on what they have about the patient because it can really help prepare you mentally before you see that patient, uh, knowing what, what their white cell count is, what their CRP is, or if they yeah. just had a surgical procedure. Um, and that's something that I definitely learned with experience to to not just hang up the phone as soon as you can and get there, but, you know, probe yeah. a bit more. Uh, so that's something that you 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 seem to have done on a way and the other thing <laughs> the other thing I noticed in hindsight what I wish I would have done but well, the biggest thing I struggled with when assessing these acutely unwell patients especially on a weekend shift was how I just needed more hands mm. so although I'm happy to do the Dr. ABCDE and I, I'm ha- I would happily know that this patient needs a chest x-ray they need bloods you know they need an ABG if they're desaturating Physically, there was only so much that I could do. Um, And so I think it's important when going in to be aware of what other help you can get, whether it's nurses, the critical care outreach team, um, 
if you happen to eventually know your med regs or your you know your evening shos it's a massive help to ask for help earlier on because i think what happened to me was with two weekend shifts where i had very unwell patients i was just trying to manage everything myself because i was embarrassed to ask for help because they might shoot me down or they might you know that's exactly as well that's exactly the right word as well it's it's almost like a, a guilt or a shame of having to ask um on your first weekend and and not knowing who to ask so um i had the exact same situation with a case Mm. i was in on my first on call and the only reason i actually end up (laughs) realizing oh maybe i can call that team is because the nurse suggested do you think we should call the person yes and i think that's something really valuable now whenever i go to a new ward or if it's a new place i ask the nurses is there an xyz team or someone i can escalate to and they are so helpful with that kind of stuff there's yeah. Most hospitals have nurse-led critical care um, teams that can come and help you. And I felt so much better when that team arrived for this patient in question. But um, yeah, that's a really valid point. Just know that mm-hmm. the help is there. If you need the hands, just ask. Yeah. And so. I mean, what the? I think this is probably a unique case in just how complex she was. But I imagine everyone's had their kind of experience of that. The issue with this lady was not only was she acutely deteriorating and septic, she'd also come in with a likely safeguarding issue. Mm. Um, she came in with the missed um, neck of femur fracture and she was in a nursing home and she apparently had a fall during the week. Mm. Um, also, the, the daughter had come in. So then I was also battling communicating with the daughter, trying to discuss with the nursing home about what happened with the neck of femur fracture mm. trying to treat the patient and also still doing all the jobs from my ward that I hadn't managed to do throughout the day and finally one of the things that was a real learning point for me as well the consultant in the morning had wanted a dnar form to be completed on her uh. but had already left the ward by the time i had gotten the form uh. um, so one thing i'd recommend is when you're learning on how to, to how, how to prioritize patients and jobs, if consultants want DNAR forms, there's a reason why they want them because they anticipate they might deteriorate. So try to get those signed ASAP. Don't yeah. just leave that as a oh, consultant says he wants it because without that documentation, um, nothing counts. You're going yeah. for full escalation if that patient deteriorates. That's so true. And I mean, I started on psychiatry and I remember um, me and Aram worked together and I remember seeing you in the mess one day and you just had this exhausting week and you actually mentioned something about DNAR and you said, thank goodness I made sure that this consultant signed this on one particular day. I don't know what case it was or what patient. It was actually this case. (laughs) Okay. It was this case. I remember. And um, yeah, it's so important. And that's something I remember learning from you because I was a psychiatry and I was like, oh my God, these guys know so much. (laughs) I wouldn't have thought of that. (laughs) But you don't even get that. You don't get taught that in medical school. Exactly. Of course, you, you beautifully know what a DNAR form is. You know all the criteria. You know how to communicate, at least on paper, to family about a DNAR. Yeah. But actually, the practicalities of it, how to get a sign, what happens when your consultant runs off the ward, uh, you don't learn until you're there. But another top tip, at least at our hospital, was that you can get a registrar to sign it, and it's valid for 24 hours. So I could have bleeped the med reg to sign it, but this kind of tied into my slight embarrassment of, you know, not getting the med, you know, not bothering yeah. the med reg with yeah. unnecessary jobs. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a fear. So I yeah. think from that case, the biggest things I learned were not to be afraid to ask for help, especially early on mm. um, when you're starting your job. 
just always falling back on Dr. A, B, C, D, E. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to pick into that a bit more. So, mm. so we got to the stage where you, you, you were handed this over by the nurse and then you had these thoughts going through your head and you went to see the patient. So what, what was the patient's status? What were you worried about? Did you think they were dying or do you do them well? Yeah. So I was very lucky in that the nurse I had in that room, she was very good. She was already starting to do obs, checking blood glucose, um, kind of just exposing the patient in an appropriate manner for me to assess her. She'd already bought the ECG leads as well. So when I saw the patient, she looked unwell. Mm. Um, when she came in on paper, we were like, this lady's going to die today. Mm. However, when we went to see her, she actually was talking to us, she was eating. And we were kind of reassured by her state. Um, however, when I next saw her in the evening, she was very drowsy, um, seemed effectively delirious. She was in and out of consciousness, a bit confused and mumbling. And you could just tell, and this is one thing which frustrated me going into work, was when they just said you could just tell she was unwell. Mm. But the more patients you see, the more you work out. Some people are stable despite their obs but some people just look very unwell and she was one of those cases um so from there obviously danger you consider but you know that it's safe to approach because you've been asked to see her um from there on it i literally followed what they teach you at med school response she was responsive but i'd say a reduced level of consciousness we went to airway obviously she was mumbling to me but just even just to protect us I just you know tried to protect her airway a bit by doing a head tilt chin lift mm. um, others might say sit them up to try and help them breathe and other scenarios might be better to lie them flat um, and then yeah I just went down did breathing um, and the difficult thing is obviously in your head you know that at each place you're needing to request investigations mm. so when I was doing all my prepping even in my doc I wrote I literally wrote down Dr. ABCD and would write down needs chest x-ray needs yeah. ECG needs, not, needs blood glucose monitoring because without that in the moment you listen to the chest you're like okay there are crackles and you start antibiotics and you request chest x-ray by the time you get back, you might forget to request that chest X-ray and start antibiotics. Mm. So I found it quite useful to have a piece of paper I could jot down any thoughts, any discussions I had with anyone, because that's an important thing as well to always document. That's definitely a good tip. And I was actually going to ask you how you did your documentation, just because <laughs> I remember the first um, on-call patient that I was asked to see who was acutely unwell. And I did my whole doc ABC, and you're right, it's so valuable having that that framework um, i know in med school we were like oh god this is all so you know so tedious you have to do every single yeah. step but it's so useful when you get to an acute patient that's deteriorating to have that structure so that you don't forget things because you can get so narrow-sighted if you think you know the diagnosis but yeah, anyway absolutely with the documentation so i did my doctor auc and then i came to the documentation i was like crap i haven't documented one of these since since final year mm. in my OSCEs am I going to do it like that am I not what do I write um and I remember this is another big tip if you're not sure it, I mean it's a silly thing it's so simple like to you guys listening right now you'd be like how did this guy not know how to document it sounds really <laughs> simple but in the heat of the moment you're like oh I don't know what to put pen to paper what exactly am I going to write um I remember flicking back in her notes and she deteriorated on another night a couple nights before and the F2 had 
<laughs> written this beautiful clocking and I was like I'm just gonna do exactly what she's done mm-hmm. um, and it reminded me to do certain investigations as well yeah so I think the way I documented it was actually almost like it looked a bit dumb when I was doing it but it was so helpful I literally wrote s-bar but I did yeah. situation because when documenting situation asked to see patient due to using nine yeah. and I wrote down the obs that she was using and then the background admitted this morning with so-and-so and she basically came in with confusion likely chest infection and query neck of femur fracture based on what the nurse had said in the morning about her hip Um, and then assessment I did what you did I literally wrote down Dr ABCDE and then recommendation was basically planned so escalate to the med reg request all the investigations that I'd written start the medication that I'd written and then you know reassess the patient and that was so helpful but obviously that requires you to be calm but I found writing it in that way calmed me because my brain was definitely going into overdrive 100%. and I definitely don't think I ate lunch that day <laughs> and it was like 8 30 so yeah. documenting is almost like a therapeutic way of managing putting all your thoughts in order and trying to calm you down a bit yeah that was basically it. I learned quite a lot from that case great so if you can now think back to the way you dealt with it then and mm-hmm. the experience that you've gained now if you were bleeped about the exact same patient, would you still have the same thoughts running through your head? Would you have approached it differently at all? I think I would still fall back on SBAR and Dr. ABCDE. Mm. Um, but I think having now gone through basically two rotations and managed quite a few busy weekends and bleeps, I think I might have been better prepared from the offset to manage this patient because my jobs would have hopefully been a bit more clearer. It yeah. looks, sorry, my jobs would have been clearer in their order. I might have already managed a few jobs that were related to her earlier on in the day. And yeah. maybe had I seen, you know, casted an eye over her earlier to update her on something, I might have recognized that she was deteriorating. Yeah. And I mean, that's a really difficult point because I think our nature as medics is our t- is to be usually self-critical and we we doubt ourselves quite a lot and we're always thinking oh what if what if I saw them earlier or you know should I have done that job sooner but there's just no way you could have known and especially with your on-call shifts where you don't know half of your patients um if it's a new ward or a new place and you're covering multiple disciplines um so yeah I think that's a really valid thing to raise but also something that we need to all be aware of that we can't ever well, <laughs> I wouldn't say ever, but we can't blame ourselves for not seeing a patient uh, sooner because you couldn't have known. And you just need yeah. to remind yourself that it is a team-based thing. And that's why the nurses are there for the base to see Absolutely. when the patient deteriorates. That's why yeah. the seniors are there so that you can escalate it to them. So for, for all the new F1s, I think that's one of the key things is don't try and put it all on your shoulders and worry about, mm. oh, maybe I should have seen that patient earlier. Maybe it's my fault. It's not. Um, there's a system there to protect you yeah, for that. that's why we've got news alerts it's why we've got bleeps um, so don't get overly stressed about those kind of things but in general for all new F1s it's good to reflect on your practice but don't be too critical on yourself um, and having said that about the stress so um, the morning after I went back to um, a normal working day on a Monday and I was so happy and I was almost like elated mm. um, and euphoric and everyone's like oh my gosh you must have had such a good weekend that you're still <laughs> smiling and I was like no I cried 
both nights driving home mm. I'm just smiling because I'm so happy to see other doctors and I think that's one thing it's okay to find it difficult um yeah. I I think everyone's a bit scared of saying that they're struggling or showing that they need help mm. I I'm glad I didn't cry on the wards because I think that would have been a bit of a low point mm. but a lot of people said it I've cried on wards I've cried in toilets or cupboards or on the way home yeah yeah and I think it's so important to talk about these cases with your friends even if it's just over lunch in the mess yeah. I think the mess is such a nice place to just reassure everyone that we're in the same boat because I mean mm. you go into your first week you might have thought oh my god why did this happen to me is this just my uncle that was like this is it something I've done but then you speak to other people and you're like oh okay they cried as well they had a yeah. hell of a shift um we're all in this together and I think again I'm saying because I was on psychiatry but I learned so much from just going to coffees with my peers that were on medicine and mm. um, because they'd gone through so many cases and scenarios that I hadn't yet experienced and it just really helped to both help them reflect uh, but also I was learning a lot from talking to them so yeah I would encourage all you guys to speak to each other about any cases that you found difficult or anything you were stressed about because Trust me, your peers will be there for you. Um, mm -hmm. The team-based environment, particularly now with the pandemic, I think we're seeing how important it is, but the team is so important in your job and it's such a beautiful thing if you get it right. So just make sure you're having a good relationship with anyone. It doesn't have to just be the doctors in the, in the mess that you speak to about cases. Um, I think that can really help with yeah, any, any new job or any new doctor role. Join us in the next episode for part two of Iran's interview where we discuss a case on conflict in the workplace and Iran will share her final words of advice.